First Kings chapter 9. We continue our study through Kings. As soon as Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David your father saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, and the house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss and they will say to this land and to this house, then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. At the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Hiram, king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress timber and gold as much as he desired. King Solomon gave to Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee, But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, they did not please him. Therefore he said, What kind of cities are these that you have given me, my brother? So they called the land of Kabul to this day. Hiram had sent to the king 120 talents of gold. And this is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon drafted to build the house of the Lord and his own house and the Milo, and the wall of Jerusalem, and Hazor, and Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and captured Gezer, and burned it with fire, and had killed the Canaanites who lived in the city, and had given it as dowry to his daughter Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezer, and lower Bet-Horon, and Balath, and Tamar in the wilderness, in the land of Judah, and all the store cities that Solomon had and the cities for his chariots, and the cities for his horsemen, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of the people of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the people of Israel were unable to devote to destruction, these Solomon drafted to be slaves, and so they are to this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves. They were the soldiers. They were his officials, his commanders, his captains, his chariot commanders, and his horsemen. These were the chief officers who were over Solomon's work. 
550 who had charge of the people who carried on the work. But Pharaoh's daughter went up from the city of David to her own house that Solomon had built for her. Then he built the millow. Three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built to the Lord, making offerings with before the Lord. So he finished the house. King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Easy and Geber, which is near Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent with the fleet his servants, seamen who were familiar with the sea, together with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and brought from their gold 420 talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you've spoken to us. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and speak to us, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in our hearts. And that hearing his voice, his sheep might know him and follow him. And we ask that by the power of your Spirit, you would open our hearts so we would offer them to you promptly. And sincerely, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher, in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. The king's business. Some years ago, the first grade students at Corpus Christi School in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, were asked to describe what the President of the United States did. One first grade student, Leah Klein, said, quote, the president goes to meetings, he helps the animals, the president gets frustrated, he talks to other presidents. The president at that time reflected on her words and said, how does wisdom begin at such an early age? Last week we heard more about the president's medical business than I expect any of us cared to know. This passage is about King Solomon's business. It covers a wide array of things in the uh, life of the king, from international negotiations, building, defense, infrastructure, and administration. It may seem like a hodgepodge of various administrative duties that have little to do with us. Or anything else. However, it was crucial to the survival of the nation that King Solomon discharge his duties well. And while this passage shows us many aspects of the king's business, it focuses on his first order of business. And that was the first order of business. For our King, Jesus Christ, and it must be the first order of business for us as his subjects. Now let's get to it. First in this passage, we see the King's business. And we see several areas of the King's business. First, we see his business in international relations. Look at verse 10. 
at the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Hiram king of Tyre had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress, timber and gold, as much as he desired, King Solomon gave to Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, they did not please him. Therefore he said, what kind of cities are these that you've given me, my brother? So they are called the land of Kabul to this day. Hiram had sent to the king 120 talents of gold. Now, you may remember in chapter 5 when he was getting prepared to to construct a temple that Solomon had agreed to pay Hiram, the king of Tyre, for the lumber and gold that he was importing to, uh, for the temple and royal complex, and he agreed to pay Hiram for that with wheat and oil. Well, there apparently was not enough wheat and oil to pay for that much lumber and gold. So this is how Solomon paid off the balance to Hiram, the king of Tyre. He gave him land, 20 cities to be exact. Now, even the most positive interpreters have to point out that giving away part of the promised land was not the most spiritual decision Solomon ever made. However, at least Solomon was shrewd enough to give away land and cities that were not especially desirable. We read here that Hiram was not pleased when he saw them, but the deal was already done. Apparently, Hiram agreed to the trade sight unseen. Now, at the end of this chapter, we'll see that that Solomon and Hiram had a shipping trade agreement that Hiram would not have wanted to mess up. So while he did complain about the cities a bit, he did no more than complain. In fact, 2 Chronicles chapter 8 and verse 2 says that Solomon rebuilt these cities when Hiram gave them back to him. So Solomon was, we see, a shrewd international negotiator. Now, secondly, we see the king's business in infrastructure, something that we've heard a lot about recently. Look at verse 15. And this is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon drafted to build the house of the Lord and his own house and the millow and the wall of Jerusalem and Hazor and Megiddo, and Gezer. Now, here we see four areas in in which Solomon built up what we would call today the infrastructure of the kingdom. First, he built the temple and the government complex. We've already studied that in 1 Kings. Secondly, we see he built the millow. Millow literally means the field. In that time in in Jerusalem, it's a hilly place. Retaining walls were built and then filled in with dirt and leveled off to build houses on. Of course, rain runoff would cause regular erosion, so the millow required regular upkeep. Thirdly, 
we see he built the wall of Jerusalem. Of course, all ancient cities had walls for defense. Uh, The wall secured the safety of the city and its inhabitants. And fourth, we see that he he built these uh, several cities, Hazor, Megiddo, Gezer. This is an ongoing upkeep, building and upkeep of the infrastructure of the kingdom. Thirdly, we see the, the king's business in the area of defense. Look at verse 16. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and captured Gezer. That's one of the cities, you remember, in verse uh, 15. He had built and killed the Canaanites who lived in the city and given it as dowry to his daughter Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezer and lower Beit Oran and Balath and Tamar in the wilderness in the land of Judah and all the store cities that Solomon had and the cities for his chariots and the cities for his horsemen and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, who were not of the people of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the people of Israel were unable to devote to destruction, these Solomon drafted to be slaves. And so they are this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves. They were the soldiers. They were his officials, his commanders, his captains, his chariot commanders, and his horsemen. These were the chief officers who were over Solomon's work, 550 who had charge of people who carried on the work. Now, now the purpose of much of the infrastructure Solomon built up was defense. We read that these uh, four cities were built up for chariots and horses, like we have military forts and camps across our nation. And we read of Solomon's commanders. Now, a fourth area in which we see King Solomon's business is worship. Look at verse 25. Three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built to the Lord, making offerings with it before the Lord, so he finished the house. Now, according both to Exodus 23 and Leviticus 23, the law of Moses, there were three feasts to be kept throughout the year. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, of course, that's the week leading up to the Passover. The Feast of Harvest, or the Feast of First Fruits, and what was called the Feast of Ingathering, or also the Feast of Weeks, and later it was known as the Feast of Pentecost. You see, the point is Solomon was being faithful to the law of Moses in keeping these three national feasts and the sacrifices that accompanied them. He wasn't so busy with all his other kingly duties that he neglected his religious duties. And the last area we see in the king's business is trade. 
Look at verse 26. King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Ezi and Geber, which is near Eloth, in the sh- on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent with the fleet his servants, seamen who were familiar with the sea, together with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and brought from their gold 420 talents they brought to King Solomon. Now see, we... That uh, Solomon had a trade agreement, shipping agreement with Hiram, king of Tyre, with whom he had traded for the uh, lumber and gold for the building. Now think of it, Israel in God's providence was strategically placed between the northern Mediterranean coast of the Near East, where Tyre was located, the Arabian Peninsula below, and, of course, northern Africa, particularly in that day, Egypt. So in this trade agreement, Solomon supplied the ships, and Hiram, the Tyrians, were a seafaring people, Many produced many good navigators. Solomon supplied the ships. Hiram supplied the sailors. And we read that, that they acquired at 420 talents. That's three and a half times the amount of gold that Hiram had provided Solomon for building. So much gold that Solomon had to trade off whole cities to pay for it. Those cities weren't much to look at. Now, we may be wondering, why is all this even in the Bible? It doesn't sound particularly theological or spiritual. This is business. But the point is that the Lord was interested in the business. He cared about King Solomon's business. You know, the first thing God ever gave to man was work to take care of the Garden of Eden, all the vegetation and animals. He told Adam and Eve to to subdue the earth. Presumably that meant to make the whole earth like the Garden of Eden. When I counsel young folks looking to get married, I often remind them of a pithy saying of the financial guru, Dave Ramsey, said, before God gave man a wife, he gave him a job. And in 15, 20 years, anybody gets interested in any of my girls, I'm going to remind him. Before God gave man a wife, he gave him a J-O-B. Now we might think that gardening and animal husbandry is about as spiritual as building retaining walls and ships. But the fact is, God made us to work. 
God hadn't called any of us to be the, the, the king of a great nation and negotiate shipping agreements and build forts for national defense. But he's called every one of us to do something. He's called every one of us to our work, whatever it is. Lord was just as concerned with these largely what we might mistakenly think of as secular affairs as he was with the work of the priests and the Levites at the temple. In other words, what I'm trying to say is God cares about your work, whatever it is. That's the king's business. Now secondly, and finally in this passage, we see the first order of business. The first order of business. Look at verse 1. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Now, now you remember this, this passage that we're in, it follows the temple dedication. When they had completed the temple and held the great dedication service, and, and Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, he prayed for the Lord to bless it and to be with his people at that temple. The God whom the heavens cannot contain to come down and be personally present among his people in that place. And here the Lord tells Solomon, he promises him that he will answer that prayer for the temple. He says his eyes and his heart will be there. That is a way of saying that he will be personally present with his people in that temple. And then the Lord repeats for the umpteenth time, it seems like we've, we've encountered here in 1 Kings, the covenant he made with David. Verse 4, as for you, the Lord says, he's talking to Solomon, the Lord told him Solomon, as for you, if you will walk before me, as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. You see, there's that constant emphasis. Walk before me with integrity. Keep my statutes, and I will establish your throne forever. But then in verses 6 through 9, there's a warning. The Lord warned Solomon, if you turn aside from me 
And do not keep my commandments. If you follow other gods, little g gods, and turn to idolatry, he says, verse 7, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them. And the house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. The Lord had just promised, I I will be personally present with my people in this temple. But if you forsake me and worship idols, I'll have this place reduced to a pile of rubble. Verse 9, then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped and served them. That's why this would happen. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. God warns his servant, you turn away from me and follow other gods and I will throw you out of the promised land. This temple will be raised to the ground. The king has a lot of things to do. He's got a lot of deals to negotiate. He's got a lot of cities to build, walls to be maintained. But the king's First order of business is to worship God only. The first commandment, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You see, before all the other business Solomon has to take care of as king is this reminder of the Lord's covenant that he is bound to the Lord and the obligation in that relationship to worship the only true God and not to bend to the pressure of the surrounding world to worship idols and not to worship the idols of gold or the building Solomon was so passionate about or to put any confidence in the military might he was building up. What was and is of first important importance is God himself. He is the first order of business. You know, we read that Satan, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And the devil said to Jesus Christ, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Now think of it. All the kingdoms of the world. 
You know, Psalm 2 prophesied of the Messiah, ask of me and I will give thee the nations, the kingdoms for thine inheritance. Jesus would send his disciples to go into all the nations. We read at the end of all things in Revelation 11, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he'll reign forever. That's what Jesus is going to get. That's what he wants. All the kingdoms of the world. And the devil says to Jesus, you can have them. You won't have to suffer to get them. Just worship me. The path to a crown without the cross. But Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Our Savior, our King, won his crown. He won his kingdom through obedience to the first order of business. The Father was His first order of business all His life. As a boy, what did He say? I must be about my Father's business. To the very end, He finished the work. And He said, Father, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. It is finished. The business the Father sent him to do. The Israelites, the nation depended on King Solomon doing all the work of the king. And our eternity, our eternal kingdom hangs on the work of our King, Jesus Christ. Obedience to the point of death on the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him. He's given him the crown. That was his business. His first order of business. And if we belong to him by faith, we must be about the king's business.
You remember what the prophet Daniel said? The Lord gave Daniel, prophet Daniel, he was captive up in Babylon, but he worked his, the Lord was with him and he was a, a hard worker. The Lord blessed him and prospered him. He became a, a high-ranking official in the in Babylonian government. And, and the Lord gave him his visions of, of what he was going to do. And he had this vision in, in chapter 8, Daniel 8, that even with the help of an angel, he couldn't understand it, this troubling view of what the future would hold. And, and it made, Daniel said it made him confused. He couldn't understand it. He got physically ill. But God had called him as an Israelite captive to become a high-ranking official in the Babylonian government. In Daniel 8, 27, he says, I got up and went about the king's business. I didn't understand what God was going to do. Or what he was up to. And it troubled me. It even made me sick. But I knew this. God had a job for me to do. And I got up. And I went on. About my business. That's what the Lord wants us. To do. Go on about the business he's called us to do every day, whatever it is, whatever your work is, and whatever it is at home, you need to do. It's the king's business because the king is our first order of business in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen